Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Place, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts, Benjamin Schmidt and Colin Hansel. Uh, for everyone listening, also make sure to check us out on, on our uh, new Twitter account. It's at Tub Talk Sports, at Tub Talk Sports. Um, we're just tweeting little recaps. Um, we're uh, commenting on big events that happen in the sports world. We'll be tweeting out little clips from our podcast. So make sure to give us a follow on there. Um, that'd be much appreciated. Also, if you check out the description on each of our podcasts, we're going to be adding little timestamps. Uh, if you want to skip ahead to um, any of the events that we're talking about, if you want to skip to the baseball portion, the football part, whatever we're talking about, um, you can now do that. We will be posting those in the details part if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's jump right into it. We're going to preview the NFL playoffs this weekend. We're just going to go in order of the games that they're happening. So we're going Colts at the Bills. Right now, the Bills are minus six and a half. Over under is 51. What are what of our what are, what do we think going into this matchup? I think that Buffalo is really going to want to come out and put on a show. They're hot right now. Um, they would be on a long winning streak if Tredavious White could jump a little higher. But anyway, it's going to be their first game at home in front of the fans all season long in a playoff atmosphere. I just knowing them and seeing the video of them dancing around yesterday, like I think they're going to want to come out and put on a show. Like I usually don't talk about like morale and stuff like that, but like I think it's so high for them. They're going to come out ready and energized. And I think I think the Colts will won't get like blown out, but I think Buffalo is going to going to jump on them early. And then we may see Indy kind of get back into it more throughout the game goes on. Um, I know you said Buffalo is favored by six and a half. I think Buffalo will cover. I think maybe this could be a Buffalo like 10 to 14 point win. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say blowout, even though it's like a two seven matchup. I still think this could be close because especially if Indy can get into the run game, if Jonathan Taylor stays hot, I think they've got a chance. Um, I know Phillip Rivers has had some really good games and then some really like game manager below average games. So he's going to need to step up. I know he's played good in the playoffs in his career, so we'll see, but yeah, I expect Buffalo to really come out firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy for the uh, bills mafia. They're having a great season, hottest team in football right now. And uh, I like that six. I think they're going to cover that six and a half just based on how great their offense has been throughout the past nine, 10, 11 weeks. Um, they might have the best offense in football. We know how good Josh Allen has been. It's been his breakout season. Um, the one thing that worries me though, is the playoffs are different. We know that it's like this for every sport, a playoff atmosphere with or without fans. It's just a different feel knowing that it's an elimination game. And Josh Allen's still a young quarterback. He's only played in one playoff game, I believe. And he didn't play very well in that game. Um, I believe against the Houston Texans last year, Allen did not have a very good game. He's still only 24 years old. So this is a big game for him. And I think they're going to do great. I He's been great all season. He's hot right now. Diggs and Beasley were just announced to be uh, all pro players. Um, he has a great supporting cast around him. John Brown's healthy. Um, I trust that they're not going to rely on the run game, but I trust that run game enough. And uh, I'm not a big believer in the Colts. Philip Rivers is old. 
John, they're they're gonna have to if the Colts are gonna win this game or cover, they're gonna have to kill a lot of clock. Jonathan Taylor is gonna ha- they're gonna have to get that run game going early, and they're just gonna have to pound the rock, and they're gonna have to convert third downs with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is gonna have to come up big on third downs, and they're gonna have to utilize um, some of their bigger targets like T. Y. Hilton and uh, Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman. So. I'd like the Bills in this one. I don't think it's going to be necessarily close, especially in the third quarter. Uh, DP, do you feel the same way? Um, I'm very conflicted about this game, honestly. And so there's there's a lot of stats that I've seen on Twitter. I've watched a couple of shows, watched a couple other podcasts. And the big thing with this weekend, I think, is that if the Bills' defense can stay hot, because we know the Bills – they're going to put up points. We know that. And we know the Colts, they're going to run the ball, and the Bills aren't very good against the run. So this this game pretty much relies on the uh, Buffalo Bills defense, which they've been hot the last six games. They've been – I think the last six games, they're actually a top, like, eight defense in the league. Um, So their defense is sneakily playing good. And I think if the Bills can get two takeaways off Phil Rivers, which I don't think is much, um, I think they could win. But Philip Rivers is 4-0 in wild card weekend, which that stat does scare me a little bit. He's a game manager, and he's a veteran quarterback, and he's been in these situations before. But Philip Rivers is also, I think, um, like 1-3 in the month of January, and then in games – that are under like 35 degrees. He's like one in five, something like that. So I'm going to take the bills to cover because I do think they can get two turnovers and they're going to be able to put up points easily. I, even if Cole Beasley doesn't play, which right now he's questionable, they have John Brown back. They still have digs. Gabriel Davis has been very underrated for them. And they also just signed Kenny Stills too. So I think it's going to help the bills a lot i think they're gonna win yeah i, I was take, gonna mention, also take the over also take the over i was gonna mention that rivers hasn't been historically great in the cold he's a san diego quarterback now playing in the uh indoors at lucas oil i'm not i'm not loving the colts in this one i don't i don't think they're gonna score many points um they're just gonna have to own the time of possession they're gonna have to keep the ball to josh allen's hands I will say something, like, funny, I guess. I know Xavier Rhodes doesn't necessarily, like, shadow the opposing team's wide receiver one, but as a Vikings fan and watching many practice videos over the years, I have seen Stefan Diggs cook Xavier Rhodes many times, so that I think that'll just be a fun little matchup to watch whenever those two are lined up against each other. I know the defense that the Colts run, like, Rhodes won't be following Diggs, but when those two are one-on-one against each other, um, just based on videos I've seen in practice, like digs with one move can just burn him. So that'll be interesting. Um, I agree though. I think the bills offense will, will put up a bunch of points against a good Colts defense. I also, I also want to mention this. I think there are going to, there now that there's expectations on the bills and everyone's kind of jumping on the bills and saying that this is a potential Super Bowl candidate. I think, the, especially now with fans, and this is a lot of guys like Diggs, and there's a couple guys on the defense that haven't played in front of the crazy Bills Mafia we know of. 
So I think there's going to be a little jitters. That's why another recommended bet I will have is Colts' first half money line. On FanDuel, I just checked. It's plus 182. Good value. I think the Colts are going to run the shit out of the ball to start, especially if they get the ball first. I think it's going to help them a lot. They're going to run it with Taylor. They're going to run it with Hines. They can, you know, get the dink and dunks with uh, Pittman and T.Y. I think I think the Bills can – or not the Bills. The Colts can actually have a lead in the first half. They're going to have 6,000 fans, right? Something like that. They're going to be – the Bills are going to be fired up for that game. I expect them to come out swinging. Um, also, Charles Barkley put a curse on them last night. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That that, that scares that me worries, a lot. That worries me a lot. All right, let's jump into our second game: the Rams at the Seahawks. Right now, Seahawks minus three over unders forty two. I don't know if Jared Goff is playing yet, um, which I think is well. He took first team reps yesterday at practice, I believe. Okay. I don't know. I would say it's big because he's their starter, but then again, I don't know if you want to rush a quarterback back off of a broken thumb or rather just start the backup, which Wolford didn't look too bad against the Cardinals, but it was the Cardinals. I feel like um, just because it's Sean McVay gives them a chance no matter who starts a quarterback. I think I mentioned that on our last episode that I thought there was a coach I trusted to just game plan a quarterback into a good situation. Sean McVay is one of those couple in the NFL. And um, I think that's why Wolford looks so good in week 17. So we'll see. I think obviously if golf can play, you play golf. And I know he was taking first team reps. That's tough just because how important the thumb is to be able to get the good grip on the ball and be able to spin it. Um, We'll see though. I was honestly surprised. I thought that the line would be a little bit um, bigger in terms of Seattle. I don't know. I know it's in Seattle, um, I know Rams did beat them once this year. I just feel like Seattle's defense is kind of hot. Um, we don't know the quarterback situation. So I thought it would have been more like maybe Seattle, like minus six, minus five and a half. That surprised me a little bit that it was Seattle minus three. Um, and overall, I think Seattle is going to win this game at home. And I think they'll cover as well. I know it's a pretty close line, so it's not too tough to do that, but I trust Russell Wilson a lot in the playoffs and, um, I know Seattle's offense hasn't been as hot recently, but I, I they have too many talented players on that offense to keep scuffling like this. I think we're going to see a big day out of Tyler Rocket just because I think Jalen Ramsey's a really good cornerback and he will he will do a great job on DK Metcalf. But Tyler Rocket is a great receiver as well, and I think he will get open. I think they'll be able to run the football at least a decent amount. So I, I'm taking Seattle to win this one in Seattle. Yeah, it's been hard for me to trust Seattle's offense. They haven't earned my trust over the past how many weeks after how hot they were to start the season. But you're right, their defense has improved. Um, Ever since they acquired Carlos Dunlap, uh, their defense has been much improved, as shaky as they were to start the year. But this is a Rams defense. Regardless of who they're starting at quarterback, their defense – is probably the best in football. They have the best secondary in football, and that's going to be huge for them in this matchup with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Russell Wilson had, despite, you know, uh, a decent amount of turnovers over the course of the middle of the season, 
he's had a very, he's put together a very great 2020 campaign. Um, I do trust him in the playoffs. The Seahawks have not been one to be first round exits over the past decade. So it's hard for me to, if there's any game, I think there's going to be an upset. It's going to be in this one. Their divisional, their divisional rivals, it's going to be a close game. But I think I'm going to pick Seattle to win this because I do trust Russell Wilson. I do trust their run game a little more than I trust the Rams, although they will be getting a healthy Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. And Cooper Cup uh, activated off IR. So the Rams are going to put up a fight, especially if they have Jared Goff. I think it's going to be a real close game. I would not take Seattle to cover in this one. I think that I don't like the value in that. But I have Seattle by by a field goal. Um, I am taking the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win this game. And also, I know the unders low, low, and I'm not one to bet unders, but I love the under in this. I, I There's a lot of bets I have this weekend. Um, super wild card weekend. You have to. But basically, the way I see this is that the Seattle Seahawks are the most weirdest team, the most weirdest team in the NFL because they were such a dominant offensive team at the first part of the year. Russell Wilson threw eight games, the first eight games had 28 touchdowns. That's amazing. The next eight, he had 12. So you can kind of see where this offense has changed. And in the last couple of weeks, they've struggled to get the uh, pass game going, even with DK and even with Lockett. And they started to run the ball a little more. I think if they stick to that same script where they run the ball and try and play good defense, I think the Rams are going to win this because Aaron Donald can shut down the run on his own. And that's not including Leonard Floyd and a couple other guys that are good on their defense. And we've seen Jalen Ramsey lock up DK twice already, and I don't see that changing. So unless Ty, unless they can have one of those Tyler Lockett pulls three touchdowns out of his ass, which can happen at any given moment, I think regardless of who the Rams quarterback is, which is insane for me to say, I think the Rams are going to win this game. Not convincingly, but I think by a score. No, I, I think you're right. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, these teams actually played on December 27th, and the score was 6-6 at halftime. Uh, it was 29 Seattle victory, but it was a lot closer than an 11-point win. Um, the Rams really stuck in there the whole game. Uh, and they, when you look at the, the stat sheet, they dominated or were leading Seattle in a lot of categories, like third down efficiency, yards, total plays, time of possession. Um, they had one turnover that really hurt them. So I think this is going to be a very close, low-scoring game, and it's going to come down to a big play. And I think Russell Wilson is going to provide those big plays in the fourth quarter, like he has so many times throughout his career. Fair, fair. Ben, you got anything else on this game? I mean, as you guys have talked more and more, I'm not as confident in Seattle, but still I picked them to cover. Um, like I said, I think it could be where they win by about seven points-ish. Um, just the most important thing for me is just quarterback. And in the playoffs, 
like Colin just mentioned, where Russell Wilson is a guy that I trust a lot more to lead me on like a game winning drive, close out the game, stuff like that. Um, no matter, I know Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl, but I think we'd all agree that we would trust Russell Wilson miles more than we trust Jared Goff if he were to play. So that's just the biggest thing for me. I know Rams have a really good defense. It's just, I, I like Seattle just because they have seemed to at least somewhat figured out on defense. And then Russell Wilson is just that much better of a quarterback. So just based on that alone, that's why I'm taking Seattle. Um, I think it'll be by about a touchdown, maybe six or seven. All right. And the final game on Saturday, Buccaneers at the Washington football team. The Buccaneers are minus eight. Over under is 44 and a half. Colin. Why don't you start us? So, uh, the way I look at this game, I don't like the Bucks. I, I don't like the Bucks. I don't like Antonio Brown. Uh, but I, I got to take Tampa to cover in this one, even if that sounds a little crazy. I believe they're favored by eight points. Yep. Um, I can't deny that Brady has been very good in the second half of the season, and their offense has really got it going. I think we all kind of saw this coming. You know, they have way too much talent on the offensive side of the ball with Evans, Godwin, uh, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, Scotty Miller. They have so many pieces. Um, Their offensive line is a little inconsistent at times, but it's young and it has shown to be good enough. Um, Their run game gets – I mean, Ronald Jones has been good when healthy averaging five yards a carry. So their offense has been great. Uh, This is the best football Brady's played all season, and he's doing it at the perfect time. They've won four straight. Their defense worries me a little bit, but Washington has just looked so bad over the past couple weeks, despite winning against Philadelphia. We all know how that ended with the Nate Sudfeld. Didn't Hashtag really Sudfield Gate. It, yeah, it, it didn't. Doug Peterson Gate. It didn't give them a chance. Uh, uh, Washington tried to give that game away so many different times in the elimination game. They do have Alex Smith back, which is definitely an improvement over Dwayne Haskins, in my opinion. Um, uh Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas have consistently been good over the second half of the season. So they're really going to have to provide a spark for the Washington offense. The Bucks have a young secondary, which this time of year, it might be tough for them. They could get exposed. Um, Washington's going to need a couple big plays. They're not a big play offense at all. They're maybe the least, they probably have the least big plays out of any offense in the league, but it's, they're, to keep up with the Buccaneers because despite Washington's great pass rush, their great defense, this I think Tom Brady in the playoffs, as good as they've been over the past, it's not like last year where Tom Brady and the Patriots were really struggling heading into the playoffs saying, oh, but it's still Tom Brady. This is Tom Brady and they've been hot. So I definitely like Tampa to cover. It's actually seven and a half right now. I would hammer Tampa. I would ride Tampa to the moon right now. For me, usually in this situation, just because I like Washington's defense and um, 
defense is so huge in the playoffs. This is usually where I would take them to cover if Tom Brady wasn't on the other side. And that's just what um, is what going to lead me to take Tampa Bay to cover and obviously win the football game. Tom Brady, we know, greatest quarterback of all time, at least in my opinion. And this dude does not lose playoff games like the rest of, like the rest of the quarterbacks do. So even though I really like Washington's defense, um, Chase Young is an outstanding player. They have a lot of good pieces on that defense. So normally in the situation with it being seven and a half, like Colin just said, even though they're the underdog, I would probably take them to cover because a touchdown is a big spread and they have a good defense, but it's Tom Brady on the other side and he's really seemed to figure it out. Now is Mike Evans, is Mike Evans going to play in this game? I know he got hurt on Sunday. I haven't been checking into that a whole lot, but thankfully, which is, I believe, a hyperextended knee. He but, is, um, uh, he's questionable. Questionable. Has, okay. Yeah. Um, else, yeah. Either way, Chris Godwin seems like he's really hot. Um, I don't, I didn't think the Antonio Brown experiment was really going to work, but he's actually, he's played well for them. I know he's had a decent amount of touchdowns in the last couple of games. He ended the season, I believe, with like 45 catches, which is kind of crazy considering he played like barely half of a season. So I think if they were to be without Mike Evans, they still have enough weapons. Um, the running backs, Godwin and Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, stuff like that. So, and I'm just never, I'm just not going to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I know he's a new system, stuff like that. But um, I'm taking Tampa Bay to cover in this situation, even with such a big spread in this primetime matchup. Well, if you guys aren't going to bet against Tom Brady, I'll go ahead and do it. Because first off, about like two months ago, when I predicted Washington to win the uh, NFC Beast, I then doubled down and said that they're going to win a playoff game. And I will step to bet on them. And I will stand by it, mostly because, A, I think they will cover to begin with, regardless of my take, because this is going to be a boring football game. There is not going to be a lot of points scored. Washington's offense will not move the ball. And I don't think Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense will stop or will be able to move on Washington's defense Um, because Tampa Bay is not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to throw the ball a lot. And Tom Brady – his deep ball this year has been atrocious. Um, it's one of the worst in the league, statistically. You can There's facts to back that up. I just don't have those facts on me. And you had the fact that this game will be starting at 8-15 on the East Coast. This year, Tom Brady is 1-6 overall in night games, or against the spread, I think. I think it's against the spread. I was going to say because they only have five losses. But they're 1-6 in against the spread in like night games or something or in his I don't know it's something around those lines where he hasn't played well at night and you had the fact that um Mike Evans might not play and the fact that I think this is Washington's is just a team of destiny I think they're going to get Antonio Gibson back which will help them a lot I think that'll help them run the ball but um, I see Washington winning this game. I see it being an under again. I just, I just seen this being a boring, like 10, seven football game. Now here's how I view the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they, Tom Brady has shut the haters up, including me. Um, when you look at the Buccaneers this season though, they have maybe 
one impressive win, and that was that game against Green Bay where they pretty much dismantled the Packers. Um, when you look at all their losses, though, I mean, they lost – they're all the playoff teams. Saints, Bears, Saints, Rams, Chiefs. They have haven't been great in these big games. They've only won one game against a playoff team this season. So that worries me a little bit, you know. But Washington, to me, it's hard to look at them as a playoff team considering they were – that close to losing the division to the New York Giants, you know, it's tough for me. But another point I wanted to make is Tampa hasn't played a defense this good in a long time. They have gotten hot, but they've gotten hot against the Vikings, the Falcons, the the Lions. So that's not too impressive to me. It's almost something that you kind of expect to happen, but Like Ben kept saying, it's playoff Tom Brady. Even though he's 43 years old, I got to put my trust in him. I mean, I like what you said, Colin, just about how um, Tampa hasn't faced a good defense on this hot streak and their losses to these playoff teams is something that worries you. That's something that worries me in the rounds to come. Just because, like you said, this is a Washington team that was one loss away from losing the division to a six and 10 New York giants team. So um, as good as Washington's defense has been, I keep praising them. They're really not like one of the competitive teams, unless they just go on some magical run, which I don't see happening. So that's why I know Tampa Bay, we could be sitting here next week. If they beat Washington, I would be more worried for that future matchup just because they have not fared well in these bigger primetime games and against playoff teams then I would be worried, but I'm not worried here in this circumstance. I know it's a, it's on the road for them, but it's, it's Washington. So I'm not, I'm not too worried yet. We'll see depending on who they match up with in the division round, if they win on Saturday. You you did say it's, it's just Washington. I mean, like, I think that the Buccaneers cannot lose this game for the sake of Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and, a lot of the Rob Gronkowski, they'll get torn apart on social media if they lose this game. Um, this is – they got to win this. Maybe for – I, I don't want to say Bruce Arians' job is on the line here, but he will be looked at in a very negative light if they were to lose to this Washington team. That would not be good for them, and it would not be good for Tom Brady. It'd be Playoff crazy. teams – playoff teams that are 8-8 eight and eight or worse – are 4-0 in their last four games overall, not against the spread overall. Who, who would that be? That's the that's the Panthers that beat the Cardinals. Seahawks. That's the Seahawks. And then there's a couple other teams, I think in the like the 90s or some shit. Well, okay, what well, you said eight and eight teams. Eight and eight teams are worse. I will I will double check. Well, it. The Tim, what about the Tim Tebow Broncos? They were they were eight and eight. They beat the Steelers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was actually um, today. This yeah. is the anniversary of that game. Hmm. Go on today. Um, I was just going to say, imagine us talking about Tom, Brady, Tom Brady's legacy like 10 years from now. Like, hey, remember when he went to Tampa Bay with some of the best weapons he's ever had? 
and then lost to a seven and nine Washington team. Like obviously still in my mind, he's going to be the, the goat, the greatest quarterback, oh, yeah. six Super Bowls or whatever you would have at the time you're tired. But just imagine just thinking about it, like, like kind of like the whole Jordan being on the wizards thing, like how that just didn't seem like, like imagine us talking about this in 10 years, like, Oh yeah. I remember when he had one of the greatest teams he's had his career and then lost a first round playoff game to Washington. Like talk about his legacy. You're right. And uh, this just shows how great he is at age 43. That's why I can't, like, if he loses this game, people will knock him. The media will criticize him. But you can't really hold it against him when you look at his legacy because he's 43 years old. And I don't think this should be a knock. I think anything that he does from this point on, should just be adding to his legacy. I don't think we can take anything away from him at this point. And to answer your question, the last four teams were the 2014 Panthers, the 2011 Broncos, the 2010 Seahawks, and the 08 Chargers. Oh, yeah, the 2010 Seahawks. I remember they beat the Rams. They might have been – the Seahawks might have been 7-9. and nine. Was that the Beastquake year? Yeah, it was, was the Beastquake year. Oh. Awesome. They went on to get smoked by Jay Cutler and the Chicago Bears the next round. What a time that was when Jay Cutler was leading a playoff team. Who got then beat by the Packers. Yeah, yes, when Jay Cutler got hurt and was riding a bicycle on the sideline for 45 minutes. What a time. Good old Caleb Haney. All right, let's go into Sunday slate. Ravens at the Titans. Baltimore is favored on the road, minus three. Over-unders. 54 and a half. Ben, start us. I am really, really looking forward to this game just because it was a great game when they played in the regular season. It went to overtime. Derrick Henry had a game-winning touchdown. And this time when they play, I know the Titans are the fa- like the better team, the favorite. But Lamar Jackson is hot. He's playing great football. The Ravens, as a team, are hot. They had to win a bunch of games in a row just to get here because after they lost to the Steelers in that COVID game, they were on the outside looking in. And now here they are as an 11, five, 11 and five football team. So it's actually, so am I reading is Baltimore actually a three point favorite? That's yep. Yeah. That's very interesting to me. Um, it should be a great football game just because Derrick Henry, he ran for over 200 yards against the Texas on Sunday. He's playing great football. And then, like I said, the Ravens hot and the Ravens after what happened last year on that 12 game winning streak to get to 14 and two, and then losing their first game to the Titans, you know, they would love more than anything to go into Nissan stadium or the, the Titans stadium and knock them out of the playoffs in the first round. So they are just going to, I think they're going to have the like willpower factor, which doesn't always work, but we've also seen like the dog mask Philadelphia Eagles. Like sometimes it's just weird stuff like that happens and I think the uh, Ravens are going to be a team where they just like are going to have the will to win and they're going to put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands. Now, Ryan Tannehill's played great this year, but at this point in time, I think Lamar is so hot and the Ravens is a team. J.K. Dobbins is playing good. I really like the Ravens, but I think this will be a great football game. Probably my favorite game, at least from a like entertainment standpoint of the weekend. Yeah, this is the game I'm most looking forward to. Um, mainly because of, well, two, it's really two exciting teams with some exciting stars on both sides of the ball, but also because of their history starting last season in their playoff game, 
when the Titans upset them 28 to 12, kind of shocked the whole sports world. No one really saw that coming at all. The 14 win Ravens. And they played earlier this season um, when the Titans beat them again, 30 to 24 in overtime in November. So this game uh, definitely intrigues me the most. The Ravens are averaging – this is not the same Ravens team from earlier in the season. They're averaging 37 points per game over their last five games. And Lamar Jackson has 15 touchdowns in those games. So they've really started to figure out their offense again. Um, and I, I've been saying for the past few weeks, this is the team I would not want to play in the first round. Even if I'm playing at home, I do not want to face the Baltimore Ravens. The Titans are a very good football team. Um, we know how good Derrick Henry is, and we know how Derrick Henry can carry that offense, as we've seen him do time and time again. But I think the Ravens are finally going to get him this time. Their offense has been so hot. Their defense has been playing um, their best football of the year. Um, I think their defense is a little underrated. They have playmakers. They're not going to slow down Derrick Henry. They're not going to stop Derrick Henry. But I think their offense is going to be good enough this time around to beat them. Because last season, that Titans defense shut down Lamar Jackson, held them to two field goals in the first half, and took a quick like 21-6 lead. And the Ravens weren't able to overcome it. Lamar Jackson is much more experienced now. He doesn't have nearly the amount of expectations high expectations that they had going into the postseason last year. Um, you know, they're a wild card team now. They don't have the same expectations, not as much pressure. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be ready for this game. I think Harbaugh is going to be ready for this game. And I have Ravens in a close one, but I would take them to cover. And the other thing too for me is this Titans defense is bad. It's just not good at yeah. all. They have let up point after point this entire season you brought it up the bit or a huge factor in last year's game was the fact that in the first half they held them to two field goals and they were able to jump out to that big lead this defense is not as good as that defense was at this point last year listen to the amount of points that the titans have let up in their last bunch of games 41 last week 40 to green bay in a snow game 25 to detroit they let up 41 to cleveland two weeks before that it's, I mean, this Titans defense is just flat out not good. And then you combine that with the fact that Baltimore is one of the hottest teams in terms of offense. That's just basically a recipe for disaster. So I think this has a potential to be more of a shootout game. But um, I think in the end, Baltimore will be the one that is, is scoring too many points for Tennessee to overcome. Yeah. The, yeah. The Titans... Oh, you can go. Um, for me, I see this similar to the – Monday night football game between the Ravens and the Browns. I see this being a very similar game, the poop gate game. Um, the thing with this though, is that the Titans have won the last two. And if you look at the stats in that game, which I did, Tannehill did not play good against the Ravens. If Tannehill plays better against the Ravens, I don't think it'll be, as close, but then again, everyone seems to be on the Ravens. Everyone likes the Ravens this week. So it's really tempted for me to take the Titans, but it just it's just one of those where it doesn't make sense to take the Titans. 
unless the Titans can somehow, you know, force Lamar to turn the ball over two or three times because the Ravens are going to put up their points and the Titans will put up their points, but the Titans will be stopped at some point. They're not going to go down and score every single time. So, and you had the fact that if this is going to be a close field goal game, do you trust Goskowski or do you trust Justin Tucker? So yeah. I like the Ravens. I agree. It's kind of one of my, one of those close my eyes. I'll go ahead and pick it, but I don't love it. I will take the over, even though it's at 54 and a half. Um, I think it's, there's going to be a ton of points. I think this is going to, I think this is going to be the playoff game. That's like in the forties for both teams. No, you guys make some good points. Um, Ben pointed out how this Titans defense isn't nearly as good as it is last year. And that's true. I mean, they don't generate any pressure. Their secondary isn't very good at all. And it's, it's going to be tough for them to stop the Ravens or slow them down. On the other side of it, though, this Titans offense is definitely better than it was last year, and it's definitely more well-rounded than it was last year. They finally had a full season of Tannehill. Keep in mind last year, you know, Tannehill came in, what, middle of the season, played about 10-ish games, um, played well in those games, but now they finally had an offseason, a full season with Tannehill. He put together a great 2020 campaign. And A.J. Brown, it's his second year now, he got better. Corey Davis um, had, I don't want to say, maybe a breakout season. He almost had 1,000 yards, and Corey Davis is being labeled as maybe a bust before this year. In a contract year as well. Contract year, yeah. So their offense definitely is better overall. They are able to – I mean, DP was right. Tannehill was – pretty much irrelevant in the playoff game last year. They did not move the ball through the air that much. They didn't attempt many passes. Um, I think they're going to have the luxury to do so now this time around. So I agree. I'm going to take the over, even though it is 54 and a half. I like the over in this one. It's going to be very high scoring. Yeah, uh, it'll. I think, I think I agree with all you guys saying that this will be the game of the weekend. But we're going to get into the Nickelodeon game of the week. The Bears at the Saints. Saints, what I see, but I know the lines change a lot, but for what I see, New Orleans is minus 10 over under 47. Nickelodeon is saving this game because I don't think any of us really trust Chicago to compete in this one as Chicago team that I know they won a couple of their last games, but they didn't look very good against Green Bay in week 17. So, um, I think we I think we would have much rather watched Kyler play the Saints team rather than Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. But the Bears run game has definitely taken a step forward. I know we talked about that a lot when we were previewing week 17 with the Bears last week. Either way, I think I'm going to be paying more attention to the graphics on the Nickelodeon channel than I am the Chicago Bears team when they are on offense because it is hard to watch. I don't trust Matt Nagy or Bill Lazor as offensive play callers. Um, It sucks for Bears fans that those guys are going to be back next year likely because that offense is just going to be mediocre with these pieces and those two at the helm. So I, especially now that the Saints will have Kamara since the game is on Sunday, I am taking the Saints big in this one. The only way the Bears compete and get out of New Orleans with an upset W is if the defense just absolutely shuts down Drew Brees. 
but I just don't trust the um, the Bears offense to put up points. Yeah, I keep trying to trick myself into thinking that this will be a good game, but this is not the 2018 Bears. This defense is not top five in the league anymore. The Saints probably are better on the defensive side of the ball than the Bears are, and I don't trust Mitch Trubisky in a playoff game. I don't. Um, the Bears put up – they had 30 points a game for a few weeks in a row. It was against, like, the Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars. I mean, that's not very impressive to me. Every time the Bears have played good teams in the past, second half of the season, I mean, they got blown out by the Packers twice. They lost to the Titans. They The last time they did play the Saints, though, I believe it was in October, they took the Saints to overtime, which was very interesting to me. But I think the Saints offense has improved. Drew Brees is back from his injury. Um, he played great last week. He finally looks a little more comfortable. Kamara said on Twitter that he's going to play. And I think we're now expecting Michael Thomas to play. Um, he has been practicing. So if Michael Thomas plays, if Alvin Kamara plays, I trust this offense. I trust the defense. I don't trust Mitch Trubisky in a playoff game. I trust Drew Brees more than him, despite being injured and old. This might be Drew Brees' last season. He will not go out with a loss to Mitch Trubisky. I, I refuse to believe that is even a possibility. So I got the Saints in this one. They're going to pour a bucket of slime on Sean Payton's head at the end of the game, and the Saints are going to move on to face – either Seattle or potentially Tampa. Tampa Bay potentially Tampa we'll, we'll see but either way this is huge for the Saints just because this could be their best chance to win a Super Bowl for at least the next couple of years because one Drew Brees are tiring but we know that Taysom Hill at least can play decent enough for them to win games a quarterback but the thing is the Saints are absolutely screwed in the cap space, um, as of right now, they're projected to be $96 million under the cap space, by far the worst in the league. Um, I know some of that you can get around by just like paying the tax or whatever, or forfeiting draft picks, stuff like that. But either way, they are going to have to make some major moves this offseason. And even if Drew Brees retires, I don't think that's a ton of cap relief the way his contract set up anyway. So this with this roster and the skill positions that they have, that likely will not all be back this time next year. This is their 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 last shot to win a ring. They definitely should have got to the Super Bowl the year of the no PI call. Um, I can't say that the other years because the Vikings just have their number. Either way, this is the last shot for the Saints, and I think they at least make it out of this round. I feel, I feel probably as confident as I was in Tom Brady. I probably feel safer for the Saints to win just because I don't trust the Bears in this game at all. I um, I think this could be where the Bears maybe keep it close for the first quarter, first half, and I think we'll see the Saints pull away after that. Kind of kind of like how we saw um, – never mind, that's a bad comparison. Yeah, I think the Bears will keep it close and the Saints will pull it away. Yeah. The way I see it, the way I see it is that – there is a way for the Bears to make it close and to win, and that's put pressure on Drew Brees because he is not mobile, and he's probably still a little banged up because he broke, I think, all of his ribs 
Does he just not have yeah. a rib cage more, anymore? More like, than I, I knew that were in the human body is what he broke. Okay. Does he have fake ribs? Uh, <laughs> Plastic no ribs. Clue. He might. But I think the Bears have a shot. I think they have a shot. And that just might be crazy me talking. I think they're going to cover. I'm going to take the Bears plus 10. Um. And I think the only way they can do this is if they keep it low scoring, which I think it will be. I think the Bears can shut down Breeze. I don't know if they can shut down Kamara. That's a that's an entirely different story. But I think they can shut down Breeze, Mike Thomas. We know the Saints will stop the Bears' offense just as anyone can stop the Bears' offense, essentially, except David Montgomery. Um, so I'm going to take the Bears to cover and the under. I just, I just can't take that bet just because this Bears defense isn't even playing really well right now. Like, they have pieces, and it's only been two years since that dominant defensive game or that dominant defensive season for them when their defense just carried them. But, like, this is not the same defense in terms of production. There's been multiple games where the Bears probably could have won if their defense could have held them a little bit more. Like, a perfect example – Against the Detroit Lions at the beginning of December, the Bears' offense put up 30. You would think that's a game the Bears easily win, but yet the Bears' defense let up 34. I mean, they let up 30. They let up 33 to Minnesota – or 27 to Minnesota, excuse me, and then 35 to Green Bay last week. So I just don't trust this Bears' defense right now. It's not the same defense that it was when it was dominant. So. This also relies on the fact that this is just me banking on Roquan Smith is going to play. If he doesn't play, then – disregard all of what I just said. It would be a blowout. Yeah. Roquan Smith has been awesome this year. They they really need him on the field. They want to have a chance to uh, win that game. But I think the Saints team is just too talented um, offensively and defensively. They have so much talent on both sides of the ball. And I think a lot of them know um, that this might be their last chance, that their window is closing. And I think a lot of them are going to be hungry. Because if they don't win it this year, it's like looking back on the past five years, it's like, okay, we didn't even make a single Super, single Super Bowl. In so it, one conference championship. One conference championship, which they should have made a Super Bowl. We all know they got robbed. But, I mean, it's, it's not a success. And that would be kind of a sad – if they lose this, this would be a very sad way for Drew Brees to go out. Yeah. All right, let's get into the Sunday night football game. Browns without a head coach going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh minus six over unders 47 and a half. This is huge for the Browns because not only is Kevin Stefanski their head coach, he's also their play caller. He is their offensive like mastermind, I guess you could say. Um, all head coaches are important, but there's some like ones that don't call the offensive plays where it's not as big of a burden. This is huge for Cleveland. They're also missing um, their, one of their really good guards, Joe Batonio, I believe, um, is out with COVID. So that's huge for them as well. And then the problem is, is even though I like this Cleveland team talent-wise, Big Ben is just really good against the Browns in his career. I would love to see the Browns win this game just because of all the stupid things that Juju's been saying on social media. Um, we had made the comment like, this is the same Brown teams I – Brown, same Browns team we play every year. Um, he also said about Denzel Ward, 
it was, I didn't, when I first read the quote, I didn't think it was even real. He was like, yeah, he wears number 21 and I, I think he's light skinned. So he's kind of good. It was just the most random quote I've ever read. And it's just like Juju saying everything he possibly could to give the Browns an undermanned team momentum. So a Pittsburgh favored by six, I could see Browns keeping this game close. I just think that this is just a matchup where it's just an organization is much more dominant than the other. And I don't like Pittsburgh past this round, but I like them on Sunday. No. Yeah. I, uh, I like the, I like Pittsburgh in this one. We don't even know if Denzel Ward is going to play. They don't know if he'll be activated off the COVID list. Um, obviously they're not going to have their head coach. They have, they're only practicing today. This is the only practice they've had all week. It's their first playoff game in 18 years. It just is not adding up to a Cleveland victory. There's so much going against them right now. And if they lose this game, I don't think you can not, I don't, I don't think you can knock them. Um, especially if it's, you know, if, if it's a relatively close game, if it's a one, two score game, I don't think you can take shots at Cleveland because they've had a successful season regardless of the outcome someday, in my opinion. Um, it's crazy to think that coming into this year, it was like a make or break year for Baker Mayfield. Um, we were saying like, oh, if he does what he does last year, he won't be their quarterback in 2021. Well, he's proved himself to be a good quarterback. We still don't know how great he is. This is his first playoff game. Um, and he has a lot of talent around him. So that remains to be seen. But I think the Steelers definitely have the advantage with this one. They're playing at home. Uh, as bad as they were playing, you know, they went and played a good Colts team. And it felt like a playoff game. They came out on top. They had some big plays at the end of the game. Big Ben had a good game. And they came out on top against the Colts. I trust the Steelers more than I did a few weeks ago. It's just I can't have too much confidence in them because of how bad their run game is, how inconsistent their run game is. Um, but I like the Steelers in a close one. I think the Browns will keep it close. There's just too many question marks with the Cleveland Browns for me to pick them or for me to advise anyone to put money on them um, covering this game. So I got to go Pittsburgh to win. And yeah, I think it'll be an entertaining game. Too many question marks. Uh, real quick. I am oh, real quick. Ahead, I didn't even mention the first time. And I don't, I think it's a huge key Pittsburgh in their biggest game in decades was a two-point conversion away from being tied with a Mason Rudolph and multiple Steelers backups. I think that is something very important because you would think that in that scenario, that was a game where Cleveland would have kind of like flexed their muscle and shown like, hey, um, we're going to go make the playoffs and we're going to go in hot. Like, I don't feel super confident on them based on how they played last week. I don't really care about the Jets game because they were missing all their receivers there was some really weird play calling. Like, I don't really use that as a metric stick. I just think that the fact that they won by a mere two points against Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think we'd all agree that um, Mason Rudolph is probably not a future starter in the NFL. That is what also worries me. And that was with some pieces that they're not even going to have on Sunday that they won that game by two points. 
yeah, this is this game's a lot tougher for me than what people would normally think. I think even though the Browns are missing a lot of pieces and they could possibly be without both starting tackles, I just it, it's it's tough for me because as much as I want to bet the Browns and I want to see the Browns happy and how much I hate Juju. By the way, I don't know. I don't think we've seen a player go from so lovable to so hated in Juju in the last like two years. When he broke out in his first year as like the sidekick to AB, it was like he was such such a great player to root for. Like, not that I don't root for Juju, it's just like it's not the same like like love for him just because it just it's just been so weird the way he's carried himself this year. I know he's having yeah. fun, and I shouldn't hate he, on a player for like loving the game and having fun. It's just, it's just weird. Well, it's just the way he's going about doing it. He's now what we call in the biz a cocky son of a bitch. That's what he is. He's cocky. He's running his mouth. I mean, you were you were listening to tweets he was saying earlier. He, he's cocky, and I don't normally like to root for people that are that cocky so that's why i'm rooting for the browns in this game but i will probably bet you know what fuck it i'm going the browns i'm going to bet the cleveland wow because of the fact that everyone is on the steelers everyone just because they only won by two last time or last week i should say um the browns haven't won in pittsburgh since 2003 I think Roethlisberger's only lost like two games to the Browns in his career. Um, I just see it as a way where the Steelers, who notoriously this year have been a cocky team where they think they're going to go in and shit pump everyone. I just see it as a way, same thing where they think they're hot shit. Cleveland's going to come in, run the ball down their throat. Mayfield's going to be fine on play action, even without Stefanski. And I think, this is now the biggest game besides the finals with LeBron against the Warriors, besides the 2016 World Series. This is the most important game in Cleveland sports history right here, this game against the Steelers. Do you think a fight or scuffle will break out in this one because of how if, important it is to them? There will be, I think, knowing the Browns, they're probably going to try and take Juju's head off. <laughs> and I will, I'll, I'll probably root for that to happen because I they, I'm not a big juju guy now. I'm not a big juju guy. So do you think uh, Taki Taki, let's say, will take the sacrifice of 15 yards and an ejection to take Juju out of the game? Your bold move. Uh, that's probably not the smartest move, but I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not the one that's gonna you know, say that it's going to happen. But I – look, it's Super Wild Card Weekend. Between – this is the first time we have six playoff games in one weekend. Awesome. Um, it's – something crazy is going to happen. Why not, it, why not it be the final game on Sunday, Browns beat the Steelers? Oh, last, last note on this game. I forgot to mention it. Do you guys know who the Browns kicker is? Cody Parkey. They're not winning a playoff game with Cody Parkey, a kicker. If I'm praying this game comes down to a big kick or something for Cleveland, it's either like Cody Parkey redemption 
and he's like the greatest guy in the greatest guy in the world or it's like he misses another big kick and it's like Cody Parkey of course we should have seen this coming well we we know Cody Parkey is the double doink guy wouldn't it be fitting if he hit the game winning field goal for Cleveland I'm telling you I like I would root if for he, that so hard if he does what if he it, doinks let, it let, in well, what regardless of how it gets in if they're in a situation to win the game and he wins it for them, it I think I, I I'm not saying on behalf of Chicago fans, but I'm saying I think on behalf of the league, the league will then forgive him for his double doinkingness. Oh, he'll be a he would be a Cleveland legend forever, regardless of what happens in the next round. What's the over under field goal for him? I just I just might want to bet that <laughs> Cody. Parky prop. Oh, That's... to be abundantly clear on the whole Juju thing, what I was talking about, I don't want to be the like the old man yells at Cloud meme with the whole him dancing because I'm also a Stefan Diggs fan and that dude will like be as cocky as anyone in the NFL. I'm just saying just the way the dancing on the logos thing is a little bit just weird. And I just want to make that clear because I, I don't I don't hate him for dancing or stuff like that, but I think we'd all agree that it's probably taking it a little too far over the top. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to the national championship preview. Um, it's obviously Bama and Ohio State. Uh, I'm trying to find the game right now. The game is Alabama minus eight over under is 75. Wow. Is that a record? Um, uh, for that a national championship, record. possibly maybe last year with Clemson and LSU. Yeah, but it's it, I guarantee you it's up there. Um, what do we think, Ben? You're the Ohio State guy. Well, obviously, Vegas um, just thinks that zero defense will be played in that game, and you can't totally blame them because Justin Fields, who you could argue maybe that um, Zach Wilson goes before him. The very worst, he's the third quarterback taken, and he was awesome against a not great Clemson defense, but also not a horrible Clemson defense. He ripped them to shreds. And on the other side, Mac Jones, who you can say all you want about how he has the great Alabama receivers, but he was awesome this year as well, and he is probably going to be one of the top quarterbacks taken in this year's draft. So in terms of the QB matchup, it is one of the better ones in all of college football. I know there are better quarterbacks than uh, Mac Jones and Justin Fields, um, but just the two in this game is one of the best matchups you could have. And then just the skill positions around them, Trey Sermon is extremely hot. He has, I believe, over 600 yards in his last three games, was great against Clemson, was great against Northwestern. And then on the other side, Najee Harris is one of the best backs in all of college football. He could potentially be the one running back we see taken in the first round, maybe at the back end, something like that. So you have those positions. And then wide receivers for Bama are awesome. Devonta Smith, Heisman winner, was my pick. He deserved it, I thought, was awesome this year. And then Chris Olave was amazing against Clemson. And then he's also a guy we could see taken in the middle rounds, maybe second or third of this year's draft. So just those three positions alone – is why Vegas had that that um, over under so high because it is top tier NFL ready talent. And for me, if Ohio State can come out and really force Alabama to have to strike 
back and forth, stuff like that, that gives Ohio State a chance. Because I don't, I don't like Ohio State in a lower-scoring, defensive-ish battle. I like Ohio State if it's a shootout because I like Justin Fields' mobility and ability to run. I know he has the rib injury, but he still is more mobile than Mac Jones. I like that. And I just – like I said earlier, so like I think Ohio State, the last time they were in as an underdog – in the first year of the college football playoffs, they went on the run and, and won. And I think how great Bama's played this year, I feel like um, Ohio State is going to just come in like, yeah, no one probably thinks they were going to win. And then they're just going to come out and put on a show. It's a weird thing. Like Ohio State shouldn't be doubted, but they're going to believe that they're doubted. And that might, for them at least, like push them towards giving them a chance. No, yeah, I – I just wanted to make this point real quick. I looked up the Clemson LSU game last year. The total for that game was set at 69 and a half. So actually lower than this one and the under hitting that one, they scored 67 total. So I think it would be pretty ballsy to take the over in this game, but it's definitely possible of happening. Um, But I like Alabama on this one. I know that's the popular pick. Uh, You have – maybe the two best running backs in college football right now in this game uh, with as good as Najee Harris has been. Trey Sermon is the hottest running back in college football. We know how dominant he's been. And he's made it a lot easier for Justin Fields. Um, Having that good of a run game, it really gets the defense on their toes when you have Justin Fields can throw 60-yard bombs like we saw last week. He has a great deep ball. The kid is special. And you have a running back as good as Trey Sermon is, uh, and they're feeding him. He's getting about 30 carries a game over the past two, two games. Um, they have weapons um, on the outside. They have Garrett Wilson. He's a very good receiver, only a sophomore. And Chris Olave, who I expect to turn to the draft after this game. And it's crazy to think that that's not even the best offense in this game because Alabama has – Devontae Smith, Jalen, maybe Jalen Waddle, and uh, John Mechie, who's no one talks about him, but he's uh, he's a very good receiver, sophomore receiver for Alabama. He stepped up big time this year. Jalen Waddle is a game time decision. And honestly, if I'm Waddle, I do not play in this game because the kid is probably going to be a top 15 pick and has a lot to lose. So if I'm Waddle, I don't play in this game, even though if he gets the chance, I know he will. Um, I don't think they necessarily need him, though. This offense has been so explosive all year without him. Mac Jones has been awesome. Devontae Smith won the Heisman. I think deservedly so. He's looked like the best and most dominant player in college football. And this is this is going to be a shootout. This is going to be a very high-scoring game. Uh, neither of these defenses have played great. Although Ohio State did a very good job of holding Clemson to only 14 points in the second half last week, which I thought was very impressive. So I think it's going to come down to a few key plays. Um, You know, if Ohio State can force a fumble um, in Alabama territory or get a key interception in the red zone, I think that will be how they win this game is a couple of those big plays, and they need to capitalize on these. If Alabama gives them opportunities, they need to capitalize on them. Yeah, so 
Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. I will be rooting hard for Ohio State in this game. Um, it's just too hard with how good Bama's defense – or not defense, just how good Bama has been. It's too hard for me to pick Ohio State to win outright. However, with Alabama being favored by eight, I am taking Ohio State to cover. I think this could be, like I was talking about earlier, like Collins of the shootout, and this could maybe where we see, like, okay, whoever has the ball last is going to win, something like that. So I'm taking Ohio State to cover, um, and they're obviously who I want to win. I think Alabama will win the overall game, though. Yeah, so for me, this is how I see it. I mean, you guys have basically – you guys covered everything about these two teams' offenses. Um, there's going to be a lot of points. I'm not going to touch the total um, because that is very high. Um, but I will give you a winner, and that will be Bama. Um, yes, my hating Ohio State bias does have a factor in that, but – I just think Bama is the far better team. Um, you look at the t- – like, I mean, Ohio State has played like half of their half as many games as Bama, and you had the fact that the closest game Ohio State played in was probably the Big Ten Championship and then also Indiana. And you look at how the teams Bama's played, and they have shit-pumped teams far better than um, – Far better than those two teams. So I think Bama's going to win by three scores. Wow. That's all I have to That's say. A, I just yeah, I, Ohio State bias coming into the play, but we'll see. I think um, it comes down to we know how good these offenses are, and we know that these teams are both extremely talented. This is Ryan Day's first national championship, and this is Saban's – He's been in a 100th? lot of one hundred in tons of moments like this. So I mean, I like Ryan Day as a head coach a lot. Um, he's great, but I I'm going with the more experienced side. I'm going with Nick Saban in Alabama, and Alabama has, even though neither of these defenses have been great, um, at times you know I think Alabama has more playmakers on defense. I think they will make a couple key plays. They have Patrick Sertan, who's the cornerback everyone everyone wants in the NFL draft. I would love him in uh, black and silver next year. Um, and then they have a couple other guys that people don't talk about a whole lot. They have linebacker Dylan Moses. He's a playmaker. And uh, they have a really good sophomore defensive tackle, Christian Barmore. So I, I think Alabama has more playmakers on the defensive side of the ball where – you're going to need a key turnover or two to win this football game, and I think Alabama will get those. All right, and then I, I think that wraps – yeah, I, go I, ahead, go ahead. I also wanted to make one more point. Um, while, we're, while, we're, while we're on the topic of college football, um, Adam Schefter tweeted out earlier today, uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan mm-hmm. um, just got an extension through 2025 after i believe a three win season for michigan um Uh, let's 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 hear the ohio state guy's opinion on this one i love the ohio state reply to the bleacher report tweet on twitter of the trey sherman peering up at the camera because you know ohio state loves it i know they've won a couple bowl games under harbaugh 
but they have yet to go to a Big Ten championship. They haven't beat Ohio State in thousands of days. I know there's a Twitter account called when was the last time Michigan beat Ohio State, and it just updates every single day. That number has been growing for, I believe, nine or ten years. And Harbaugh, I think, is 0-5 against Ohio State. So I guess if Michigan is just okay with mediocrity, I mean, I guess it's good because he recruits, but I just think, like, he's not enough to get them over to the top to the next level. Because I know they don't have the best, like, skill position players, but they're better than a three-win team. And it's a big extension for someone who hasn't even been to the conference championship. Like they're, they're, I think, I think they should have been to at least one, probably two conference championships by now with some of the rosters that they've had. There's been, there's been a couple of times where they've been the more talented team than Ohio state and Ohio state has still beat them. I believe the year where Haskins was the quarterback for Ohio state, Michigan was the far superior team and Ohio state went in and dropped 60 points on them. Yeah, so, yep. I think I think Michigan is just kind of locking in mediocrity with this extension. When you bring you up too. Yeah, when you bring in Harbaugh to Michigan and you see these recruiting classes that he's getting, your expectation should be to make the college football playoff. That should be your expectation every season, especially after the first year that Harbaugh came in. And they haven't even been in the discussion either. They have not been in the discussion. Um there was one year, I believe there were 8-0 or something. They went into Iowa, lost, lost to Ohio State. They've lost multiple games to Michigan State, which is also a very important game for them. They've lost multiple games to a far inferior rival Michigan State. They've lost every game to Ohio State. They've only gotten close once, and that was that first year that they took them to overtime. Um, lost that game. You just – when you're getting these recruiting classes and you bring in a coach like Harbaugh, your expectation cannot be, oh, we're going to win eight, eight, nine games, make a decent bowl game. If you're Iowa, you want to win eight, nine games, make decent bowl games. If you're getting these recruiting classes, that cannot be your expectation at Michigan. You're going for the college football playoff. And this year, I mean, they went two and four. You're expected to win big games. They lost to number 13, Indiana. Next week, lost badly to then number 13, Wisconsin. They lost to Michigan State this year. They lost to Penn State this year. And they reward Harbaugh with an extension after all of that. They haven't even been remotely close to beating Ohio State the past few years. So, I mean, this makes no sense to me at all. And when you look at what Texas is doing, their expectation when they brought in Tom Herman is – we need to win the big 12. We need to make conference championships. We need to make the college football playoff. They haven't won a conference championship. They haven't been very close either. They haven't been beating Oklahoma consistently. And he was 0 and 4 against Oklahoma, I believe. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I don't think they've beat Oklahoma with Tom Herman. And after four years, they're like, you're done because they got off to a pretty bad start this season. They lost. They went seven and three. They lost to uh, wasn't a very good team. It was TCU. They lost to a TCU team that was struggling, then lost to an Oklahoma team that was struggling, and lost another big game to Iowa State. And they said, you know what, you're done. Four years, you couldn't get the job done. You're done. 
and they moved on to Steve Sarkeesian from Alabama, which we didn't talk about either. Um, he's going to be their offensive coordinator for one last game on Monday night. But I like the hire for Texas. I like what they're doing over there. They expect uh, they expect championships, and they're trying to move in that direction. I don't. I can't wrap my head around this Harbaugh extension whatsoever. I like that you related those two because it completely just puts in perspective the two mindsets because even with the not beating Oklahoma under Herman, they still went two and two, I believe in bowl games in his four years, which is better than Harbaugh in his last four years. And Harbaugh gets another four years and Herman gets the boot. So I think that Drew did is a good job of putting into perspective of Michigan being complacent and Texas really saying this is not acceptable for us, especially with Michigan, who, if they could get past Ohio State, has a chance to get to the Big Ten championship and has good recruiting classes. So that's what really – I mean, I don't think Harbaugh's a bad coach. He just hasn't been able to get them over the top in Michigan. Yeah. All I can really say about Michigan right now is at least they're doing well in basketball. Oh, yeah. Which... Um. But let's get to the – I think the final big piece of news since we last recorded, the MLB trade between the New York Mets and the Cleveland Indians. The Mets and their new owner of Steve Cohen won the Francisco Lindor sweepstakes. Uh, Lindor and cookie-cutter Carlos Carrasco went to the Mets and the Indians – for one final season, the Cleveland Indians get back Andres Jimenez, Josh Wolf, Isaiah Green, and then uh, uh, one other guy. I forget his name. Ahmed Rosario. There it is. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I know it's tough to compare these two trades, but I'm going to do it anyway. I like the return that the Indians got better than I like the return that the Cubs got for you, Darvish. Now I know Lindor is more of an established star, like Darvish um, has had a couple rocky seasons before last year, but I, I know here's the thing for Cleveland. They knew they were going to trade Lindor and they knew they didn't have enough to pay him. So that already puts them in a hole because teams know that they're kind of just going to take whatever they can get to get them off their salary books. So that already puts them in a hole. But I like some of the prospects that the Indians got back. I know Ahmed Rosario isn't a star, but he's shown flashes. And if these prospects pan out, they're never going to probably live up to the talent that Francisco endures. But I don't think it's a horrible trade for the Indians. Obviously, if I could, I would much rather pay him. But their owner was never going to do that. So... They did what they had to do. As a Reds fan, I wish the Reds put their name in the ring because I feel like they could have beat that offer from the Mets. But um, we'll see how this impacts teams in the long run. I love the move for the Mets on their side. They didn't have to give up one of their top prospects, and they still can go for it. I, they're probably still in the Bauer sweepstakes. I love that Cohen, Steve Cohen, is like – he's not going to get involved with the baseball ops as we see some owners do – but he's going to shell out the money to make the big moves. I like that he said, yeah, I'm going to step aside and let the baseball minds handle it, and that just makes me jealous because I'm a fan of an owner. Yeah, you're telling me. You're telling me. I think Um, all of us have owners that are nothing like Steve Cohen. Yes. So the way I see it is that 
I think this is good for the Mets, very good for the Mets. Um, but for the Indians, uh, what do they do now? Because they have a, I mean, they lost Carlos Santana. They just traded Lindor. They just traded uh, Carlos Carrasco. If they are going to go full rebuild, are we going to see Jose Ramirez go? Are we going to see Shane Bieber, who just won the Cy Young? Is he going to go? Um, I did they release Brad Hand? I, I don't think, think they I release s- him. I just don't think they're going to bring him back. For okay. me and the Indians, I think it'd be smart for them to at least rebuild a little bit because even with Lindor, their offense wasn't very good last year. They need upgrades on offense. Either that being said, I don't think you trade Shane Bieber. He's so young that he could be around long enough for the next good Indians team. I think that's an exception. I think the same could be said with uh, Jose Ramirez because I think they're in a spot with those two guys right now where they could stick around long enough for the next good Indians team, unlike Lindor, who is going to be a free agent after this season. So I think, I think the Indians are good with their pitching staff right now. They need to make major upgrades on offense. I, I agree with what you said about Bieber. I disagree with Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is actually a little older. I think he's like 33, something around there. He just came off a season where he finished like second or third in the MVP voting. I don't think his value would be any higher, especially the way we saw him struggle a year or two ago. Um, I feel like if they're going to get any value out of Jose Ramirez, you trade him now. Mm-hmm. Um, which yes, it doesn't help their offense, but do we do we see the Indians competing with the Twins and the Sox in the Central? I I don't. Um, and I think right now, especially the White Sox and the Twins should load up as much as they possibly can because they should both be in win now mode with. Kansas City and Detroit being as bad as they are, and Cleveland now, which I I always say I can't stand being mediocre. I hate being in the middle, not knowing if you're going to rebuild, if you're trying to compete. And that's kind of where I see Cleveland at right now. They have good pieces. They have a really good pitching staff. They have Shane Bieber, you know, Pulisak. But – and you're, you're right. I mean, Jose Ramirez, they have good players, but it's like they're not winning a World Series with that roster. And it, I still think with as good as the AL is at the top right now with the Rays, the Yankees, the A's, Astros, Sox, Twins, it's going to be really hard for them to compete for the playoff spot. So it's like you got to consider rebuilding now. It's I, I guarantee it's in their minds right now as a possibility. I don't really know which way they should go. It's it's tough because you can't just be like, oh, we have Shane Bieber, one of the youngest, best pitchers in baseball, like just trade him away. I mean, they. I hate how their owner was like, what did he say? He was like, enjoy Lindor while you still have him. He said yeah. something along those lines. As a fan, I just absolutely would hate that. I can't, I can't stand that. Being a Mets fan, um, this is a great time to be a Mets fan. You have a great new owner. You have a very exciting lineup top to bottom. 
if Syndergaard is healthy, you now have DeGrom, Syndergaard, uh, Carrasco, um, still a little more money to spend. And now you add Lindor to what was already an exciting uh, lineup with new addition, good catcher, James McCann. Uh, your outfield looks nice. They have a lot of pieces. Pete Alonzo, they're going to compete for a playoff spot. They're going win now mode. And I bet they're not done. I bet they're going to continue to load up over the next year or two. Definitely. But again, I think right now, the Twins and especially the White Sox should take advantage of this and load up for the next year, year or two, go for the World Series now. Now should be they should be in full win now mode. Uh, any other thoughts on this trade? I think we all kind of agree that the Mets, as of right now, are the winners of this trade. I hope it catapults us into more MLB moves because – I believe hasn't the biggest free agent to sign so far been James McCann? Yeah, it's been very slow. That or Carlos Santana. Yeah, so I hope that happens. I know there's some players who don't even know like when spring training is supposed to start. So we've seen how how big of a screw up MLB can be, especially last summer with the whole COVID season. I wish they would tell everyone when the season is going to start because we're going to be into the first week of March and Trevor Bauer is still going to be a free agent and the Reds are going to lose out on a comp pick. So that'll be fun. Either way. I, I just hope we start to see some more moves because there are good free agents out there. And um, as a team, as like a fan of the Reds, a team who is trying to go for it, quote unquote, I would love to see them make moves. And I just love to see teams in general go after guys. So hopefully, hopefully something like this, really pushes us forward. I know we've seen three trades in basically the last week and a half, three big trades. So hopefully this kind of pushes that forward. Amen. All right. And I think this is going to wrap up our episode of Tub Talk Sports Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.